Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here, in Keep Canada Weird, my good pal, handsome Aaron Airport, and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded during the evening of July 13th, 2022, we discuss Toronto's online dating blacklist. We talk about drones above Canadian prisons, and we break down a duo of what-the-f stories about animals, deer and cats specifically. So let's get to it. Handsome Aaron Airport. It's July 13th. How are you doing today? Oh, July the 13th. Oh, is there any significance to this date? No, the 13th is always kind of cool because it reminds me of Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. but uh, Wednesday the 13th, not as interesting. No, I don't think so. Just the way you said it, your tone, and it was like, it's July the 13th. Uh, I think I'm just feeling kind of fortunate to be here after everything that happened over the last weekend. Friday and Saturday, Rogers, interact. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it had minimal effect on my life. Really? I thought the entire country was crippled i went to mcdonald's to uh get um a coffee and their debit was down but i i fortunately had some cash got my coffee and that was the only uh circumstance that i ran into that was affected by the outage i tried to call a friend uh that i really wanted to talk to they had rogers no way to get hold of them that was an issue uh what else happened yeah, I think that was the only kind of complication, but um, fortunately, that friend will be getting a five-day prorated refund from Rogers. Have you heard what they? What no, I heard that the yeah, Rogers will be offering the- <laughs> five days. People aren't very happy about that. Why not? Well, what if like it's it's one thing if you're um, like if you're thinking that the only thing each individual subscriber has lost out on is their day or two of service and for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about rogers which is a major canadian telecommunications company had an outage that lasted friday and saturday most of the day i think mm-hmm. yeah and part of the day saturday. so not only did people's phones not work some people um uh, uh, interact which is like paying with your bank card right across yeah. the country was down for, yeah it was down because of it um, yeah so if, if they're if they're offering five days refund or whatever that that's kind of them saying that the only thing people are out is their phone bill for those couple days. But let's say if you're a small business owner and you didn't have Interact for a full day, you'd think that'd be a pretty substantial... Yeah, I think people in those circumstances, like getting a five-day refund is like, you know, that's great for the ordinary customer who just use it for, you know, streaming Netflix and checking emails and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some social media or whatever, general internet surfing. Five days is like, you're talking like seven or eight bucks, probably like something like that kind of money. Yeah, maybe it should be more than that. I don't know. But I mean, also, um, I think people who are financially affected in the sense of a small business, 
having their interact down for two days, um, those types of circumstances, they should be able to apply for a uh, more significant refund. Yeah, but there, there was also um, some big, big things affected. I think there was a concert in Toronto that was canceled. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like Drake or something. It was like a major performer. They had to cancel the concert. And well, here's the thing, though, like how reliant are we letting ourselves be on access to internet? Like Mm. you should be able to be prepared to operate whatever you're doing with nothing um, connected to the internet. I get that. But I think it's um, what's going to happen. It it looks like regulators are stepping in and this is kind of this whole incident and uh, our reliance on, you know, one provider for interact around across the country. That's obviously a problem. Yeah. I think that shouldn't be, you know, allowed like one provider, you know, monopolizing all debit machines. Yeah. Is, uh, I, but I think something's going to change as a result of this. Cause the, a lot of, we're talking about a lot of money, but either yeah, way, yeah. It, luckily we don't run small businesses. Luckily we survived that we didn't need to call 911 and you know, people who had mm. Rogers, if you had an emergency that day, like uh, that time that I had the kidney stone and I had to call 911, uh, something like that. If you had a Rogers phone, you're, uh, you're going to next door to bang on your neighbor's house, neighbor's door, yeah. open there with you know, they have a landline. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, you know, yeah, I know it's that's the thing. Like, it, it's a little unnerving when, uh, and I mean, things like that are going to happen every now and then. You know, like like if you offer a service once in a blue moon, there's going to be an issue with that service, and it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. And then if we're so reliant on that one service to do absolutely everything, then, you know, we need to be cautious of that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we made it. Other than that whole charade over the weekend, what's new with you? Anything going on? Um, well, you know, it's been very busy. I just had a show open last night, a show that I wrote and directed. So that was uh, exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. Opening so that night. takes opening night yeah it was exciting so it was there you know a little nervous you know you got the jitters and you're kind of hoping it goes okay and it did so i was happy with it and and then now my plate's a little less full now i can focus on some other things like talking to nice friends over the internet yeah well as a director versus uh your time actually on the stage is it weird like to you know to be off stage and watching the people do your thing like that would i feel oh yeah it's like what's weird about when like not specifically like when you write a show and watch it you know like you're you're hoping that you know the jokes get laughs and you're hoping that the story gets told in the way that you envisioned it but as a director like i when you're up there watching it and the performers are up performing it on the stage there's nothing you can do like if something starts to go wrong Mm -hmm. and like when you're on stage as an actor there's lots you can do you're the one handling it Mm -hmm. so if something if somebody misses a line and you know what that line is you can improv a few things to get everybody back on track you know if, if something malfunctions you can think on your feet and you say okay well i'm supposed to do this but i can't do that anymore so i'm going to do this instead but as a director and you're out there just watching the show and you're seeing something happen that you know is not supposed to happen and you don't know what the actors are thinking, all you can do is sit there and watch and, <laughs> and, and watch it happen. And the audience doesn't know something's wrong, but you do uh, <laughs> because you've seen it a bunch of times and you directed it. So it's like, 
there was one point in the show because like it's a musical show so there's all these you know the performers are playing instruments on stage as well and there was a point in time where one of the characters came from backstage and grabbed the acoustic guitar off of the stand and then scurried back off stage again and i know that's not supposed to happen and i'm like something is wrong and a few pages a few pages coming up there's a song that the acoustic guitar starts the song on so i'm like they've only got about two minutes to to do whatever it is they're planning on doing right now um so i guess what happened is the battery ran out on the guitar in the last song and the sound the sound person noticed oh thank so they went and whispered you know backstage hey go get that guitar i'm gonna try and replace the battery backstage go grab it for me and that's what was happening so while i was like you know crapping my pants in my seat wondering what is going on with this guitar the sound person was like i'm just going to change the battery hand it back to the actor they'll run it back up and it'll be there on time but i didn't know that yeah of course so i was freaking out i'm like oh we need that guitar for this next song it's like a big instrument in that next song Hmm. All right. Well, you made it through opening night. Hopefully they're on stage killing it right now as we talk. Um, But let's get to the task at hand. We have a mandate here uh, to keep Canada weird once weekly. We weren't able to do it last night because of what we just talked about, the opening night of your play. Um, Tonight, Wednesday, the 13th of July, we're going to take care of it. And we got a lot of weird stories to keep the country weird with. Uh, we have the, I guess I'll, we'll call it something like the Better Business Bureau of Dating in Toronto. Mm, yes. Uh, we are going to talk about drones above Canadian prisons. We have a WTF story about deer and a WTF story about cats and maybe Manitoba's worst or stupidest driver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I summarized that all right. Yes, it was wonderful. Thanks, buddy. Uh, where are we going to start this? Tia's up. Okay, let's um, let's start with the driver. I wonder if this should be a crime in Canada. Maybe. It is. This week in Crime in Canada. You, you hear of stories like this happening on occasion... But this one is um, especially stupid because of how quickly this one driver made the same mistake twice. Mm-hmm. The headline of the article is Manitoba driver caught speeding twice within minutes. And this is a July 9th article. A man had to find out the hard way that speeding is illegal. And he had to find out twice. It started on July 8th at 2.20 a.m middle of the night early morning we've we've had this debate about whether 2 20 a.m is late at night or early in the morning mm. but whatever it is that's when it, it depends starts. on what you're doing yeah and what kind of lifestyle you live yeah, yeah exactly um manitoba rcmp stop a man going 130 130 kilometers an hour in 100 kilometers an hour zone at 2 20 a.m in east st paul after getting a 442 dollar ticket for that offense that same 34-year-old was caught going 159 kilometers an hour in a 100-kilometer zone 10 minutes later in the RM of St. Clements. I don't know what the RM, regional municipality of yeah, St. Clements probably. must be. 
That second ticket was $822, and the accused, that driver, now faces a serious offense notice. I don't know what that means. I think in the Nova Scotia motor vehicle stuff, I don't think we have something called a serious offense notice. But I've I'm, never it, heard that term. I think what it may be the equivalent to in Nova Scotia, if you're a certain amount over the speeding limit, limit, it's a more serious offense, like could be called like stunting. Oh, or stunting. Something. Yeah. I yeah. think it maybe it's something similar to that. Um, what's interesting with this story is the RC, the Manitoba RCMP uh, posted screenshots of the tickets highlighting the time, and here's what they here's what they posted. And this maybe gives a bit more info on what actually happened. Their their tweet says, what shouldn't you do immediately after getting a speeding ticket? Question mark. You shouldn't tailgate the officer and then blow by him at 159 kilometers an hour. The mm-hmm. 34-year-old driver was ticketed for going 130 in the 100 zone at 216, then again at 226 a.m. for going 159 in the 100 zone. 159 is pretty, pretty bad. I mean, I see people do 130 all the time on the highway. Yeah, 130 is not crazy. Because um, I find on the highway, if the speed limit's 100, everyone's going like 110, 115 for the most part. Going 159 yeah. into 100, that's like dangerous flying at 3 in the morning almost. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, what's uh, what's this guy's problem? Just a really Well, bad what's night? his problem? <laughs> Um, oh, his problem is financial, problem. I guess. I was ho- yeah, well, his problem is time. <laughs> He's short on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think um, I really wanted this article to reach out to said individual and and ask him. You know, yeah. after getting a speeding ticket, even the most brazen driver would be cautious you know, uh, after getting that ticket, at least for a few days. Hmm. But yeah. this person's like, I know he just gave me a ticket, but I'm st- I'm going to speed even more. I am not done here. Uh, yeah, I'll show you. But I wonder if the first speeding ticket upset him enough that he was, you know, just being a little crazy gets the second one. But the, uh, uh, they're lucky he just didn't explode after the second one. It's a, and that's a lot of money to, within a 10 minute period. And it's not just that it's, it's the points on your license too. Like, you know, like your insurance is going to go way up and what a there's a, there's a lot of uh, angles, you know, of, of punishment to, to speeding mm-hmm. tickets. And you're in the news, although not by name, like you said, it'd be interesting if they reached out to them, but it seems like, yeah, they- like with that, with an article like that, I would really want to know, like, Okay, we get the first one, you know, people get speeding tickets all the time and 130 is not an outrageous, it's definitely justifiable to ticket somebody. Yeah, Yeah. you're going 20, you're going 30 above, you know, the the speed limit, but only 20 above the kind of, you know, unofficial speed limit, you Mm. know, but to then, you know, turn around and go right away at 160, whatever it was. Like yeah. there's got to be a, I, I can't see that being anger. I I, I can see that being. So this person's got to be somewhere. Maybe it was an ambulance that just forgot its sirens. <laughs> and it's all a misunderstanding. And it's like no, no, just I left my sirens at home. I'm an ambulance. No, you tell it to the judge, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hopefully uh, that guy's day got better. He should have. Or. Depending on the person, hopefully it got worse. 
Yeah. If they're a piece of trash. Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe they are a piece of trash. But if they were a piece of trash and they moved to Toronto, Ontario, and they started looking for a mate online, how the hell would we know about them? They could just be going from one dating app to another dating app, speeding, causing a ruckus. Mm-hmm. And how would they ever be found out? Any ideas? Oh, there's a way. Mm-hmm. It's called Microsoft Excel. Plus Facebook group. Plus a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> that that is my clumsy segue into the next story. And I really like this one. Uh, an article, mm-hmm. an article, uh, a couple articles were going around about a Facebook group that is quite interesting and blowing up a little bit, both uh, on Facebook, um, but also it seems like it's kind of spun off into people making TikTok videos based on the contents of this Facebook group. The Facebook group is called Unhinged, and it sets out to be almost like a PSA, like a public service announcement for women in and around Toronto um, about specific men that are problematic uh, and are using dating apps, uh, which is probably pretty necessary. So I'm going to read you a little bit of, uh, I think it's a CP24 article that covers this and we'll talk it out. The headline was Toronto women turn to unhinged dating list to suss out problematic men. The most, sought, the most sought after place that people in Toronto want in on lately isn't a swanky new venue, but a private Facebook group that's said to have a spreadsheet listing names and details of problematic men in Toronto's dating scene. In a TikTok video that went viral over the long weekend, a Toronto woman says, I'm never going on a date again without checking if he's on the unhinged Toronto database of toxic men. Another TikTok about the database went viral, this one from a woman who said she's the group's administrator. The woman calls the list a public service announcement for people in case they come across these people listed on any sort of dating app. The star is not naming the women over concerns for their safety. The group, called Unhinged-Toronto Dating Reviews, has been around since January. As As of Monday night, it listed a couple of hundred names of Toronto men, ages ranging from 20 to 60, and includes a spreadsheet on women's recollections of their encounters with them, either through dating apps or in real life. Some women shared stories anonymously, and although most didn't. In many cases, women have shared similar stories about the same men. The spreadsheet also includes some photos, screen, ga- screen grabs from dating apps, and detailed descriptions, including what the men look like, how they behaved, the places they frequent. Some are referred to simply as their first name, and others as John Doe. Uh, the article goes on to describe the journalist trying to contact the group admin- administrators or members of the group for comment, uh, but it seems like the administrators uh, have declined to talk to the press and even made posts in the group asking its members to not go to the press and to keep the point of the group on warning women about these men and not about, you know, notoriety for the group. Uh, what do you think of a group like this? You've used online dating. I've mm-hmm. never used it, um, but you've been there. Is it good for people to know about this stuff? I can see there definitely being a value to this, um, you know, especially 
you know, for females who are on there who just, it's probably a nice sense of security, you know, to in that area, specifically in Toronto, where if you're about to go on a date with somebody to not see their name on that list is probably at least a little bit of reassurance that, you know, this individual isn't a, a reoffender of some kind of a, a creep of some kind that's, yeah. you know, um, and yeah, so I, I could, I can, I can see that. Like it's, it's my perspective from online dating would be quite different from, you know, a female's perspective of it and what they encounter, um, you know, would be different from me, you know? Um, so I could see if I, if I were someone who was, you know, going out to meet, uh, essentially a stranger, you've chatted through the app, maybe, maybe you've exchanged phone numbers, but you've never met this person in real life yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a certain amount of, you know, risk to that. Yeah. And having some way to kind of at least see if this person is, is someone who's been flagged before, I could, I could see being very helpful. Yeah. Well, I think like the idea of Googling someone's name is good. The, the problem with it being in a private Facebook group in a spreadsheet within that is if you Google their name, it's not like it's going to, you know, connect with this Excel sheet. So, you no, have, no, I guess to, you have to be allowed into the group to see it. right? And then manually search, which is a lot of work. And in a big city right. like Toronto, it says there's only a couple hundred men on this list. Uh, I'm sure that's a very small sample of the amount of creeps. The bucket. Yeah, I, no, I, I feel sure. like so there's a few things I'll say about it. One is like, I think a better way to do it would rather than it be a Facebook group would be like some kind of like a blog or something. So that way, if I search you know, Jim Smith, Toronto or something, um, it like a, that blog will come up, you know, that blog mm-hmm. post will come up in my search results. Um, I think that's the better way if you wanted to actually use it as a PS, like a public service announcement sort of thing. Um, but I fear with a group like this is almost like the whole vigilante thing where the claims. Yeah, that's people- where you start to get into, you know, to uh, the gray area of this is, you know, who's who's policing it and, yeah. and who's, you know, like if somebody. Yeah, I, I guess I don't really know how you kind of um, regulate, I guess, yeah. this kind of. Uh, well, Canada has libel and slander laws, um, which kind of regulate uh, false defamatory statements but like i guess someone if you put something false on there you could wind up in trouble if it was the wrong person and if the person's kind of nuts you're kind of playing with fire but Mm -hmm. um but i guess it could be done anonymously which is uh, i don't i don't i just when i see something like that i would worry that um it could very much be like just two people fighting and this is a way that one person is kind of like getting back at the other. Yeah. Person. I think the idea of it is valid, you know, like having, having a way for, for someone to, you know, before they meet this person for the first time to have a way to, to see, you know, mm-hmm. if this person is, is, is a creep or not, or, or is someone who could potentially hurt them or someone who's, you know i think there's got to be a way to do it that's maybe not specifically this way but maybe this way could launch 
an idea from someone who has a better way of doing it. Yeah, but I think there's definitely a need for it. It's in I don't know the dating apps, but they don't have like a review kind of thing built in like a, like an Uber driver would or something like that. So No, not in that way. No, like I'm sure you could contact you know the app itself, you but, know, but in maybe some the, kind of a way, but but the app also probably doesn't want to advertise the fact like this guy has gone on seven dates here and he hasn't found anyone yet. Like our app. No, is... you don't see any of that, and nor yeah. should you. You know, like and some people, you know, may, maybe don't go out on a lot of dates from the app for different reasons other than mm-hmm. you know not being successful at it. Maybe they're just yeah. picky, or maybe. I've just I realize how um, how many kind of horror stories with online dating there is is when when I did I did an episode a while ago about people's encounters with creeps and I just put an invite mm. out like if you've had an encounter with a creep be it you know a weirdo you met online or somebody tried to I don't know approach you at your work or whatever let me know about it and I got so many people who were giving me stories about online mm. dating where they just met the nutcases. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think, uh, and then also, it's like I've watched, I went a, a, on a spree of movies, like documentaries that uh, that often involved online dating. Like, I'm mm-hmm. trying to pull the names of them out of Well, my there was head. that big one on Netflix a few months ago. What was it called? One was called Bad Vegan, and that sort of was an Yeah, that thing. one, yeah. But that's not yeah. the one you're thinking of. The one you're thinking of, people, and this is what podcasts do. There are people listening right now screaming. Who are freaking out right now. Yeah. Like, it's uh, this one, you idiots. Um, but we both know what it what it is. It's like that guy who was, uh, oh, my God. Let's just, let's silence and think for a second. Yeah, this is good. This is good radio right here. Uh, <laughs> Let's um, sit in silence and think for a second. That's, okay, that's what I gotta the find listening it. audience wants. Oh, the Tinder swindler. That's it, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. And that was like the opposite of an mm. advertisement for online dating. Yeah, yeah. And it's too bad because there's there's most of the people, you know, that are using online dating are are there for the right reasons you know to get and it's if that's what love is to you jordan yes (laughs) let's not go there so um you know a lot of people are on there for the right reasons and hopefully like but i understand the motivation to want to start something like this you know Mm -hmm. from the from the other side you know I, i imagine that 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 women are dealing with a lot different um issues than that i would deal with you know on an online dating app but i think i think we both agree then that there there's society probably has a use and maybe even a need for something like this but this isn't the way that it's going to happen someone will come up with a way to do this sort of thing um Mm -hmm. I'll be I'll be interested to see if more stuff like this pops up I'm, i'm actually kind of surprised it hasn't yet we're online dating now is so synonymous I, I it's it's become the main way people meet now yeah spending the covid and all this stuff probably only added to it but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll follow i wouldn't say follow this story but we'll follow this um i guess situation yeah yeah i'd like to see it lead to a to a better way to do it mm-hmm. um speaking of leading to things you really got the transitions down tonight. Do you have a drone or ever messed around with a drone? Explain to me how that connects to your transition. 
you can use a drone to go places or bring things places. Yeah, but you said speaking of leading to things. I guess, yeah, I guess a, a drone, drone could, could lead. lead to something. I, well, I guess, it, yeah. I don't think it leads to a good transition, though. No. <laughs> Our next story involves a drone uh, that doesn't so much lead to things, but brings to things. Uh, I've, I've seen, I've, I've heard of this before, and it's a very interesting problem. I'm going to read you the article uh, rather than explaining the problem, but apparently this is something that happens in prisons all around the world, including in Manitoba. The article is drone used to smuggle drugs into Manitoba prison and RCMP charged two men from BC. Two men from British Columbia have been charged after they allegedly used a drone to smuggle drugs into a Manitoba prison. According to RCMP, officers in Stonewall received a report of a drone flying above and into Stony Mountain Institution at 3.20 a.m. on July 3rd. The report added that a vehicle was also seen on a back road near the prison. Multiple officers responded and found the vehicle on Highway 7 near Provincial Road 321. RCMP stopped the vehicle and found a drone in the back seat. The two men inside the car were arrested. A search took place inside the prison where the drone was seen to have landed, and a package containing methamphetamine and what was suspected to be fentanyl were found. Employees at Stony Mountain Institution said they had seen a drone earlier and a similar package was found the day before. The next day, a resident also found a package in the area where RCMP had stopped the vehicle and turned it over to police. RCMP uh, said that the package had a controlled substance inside, consistent with the package found in the prison, and was set up to be and was likely set up to be transported by a drone. Twenty-year-old Sharam Taki of Vancouver and twenty-two-year-old Jalen Falk at, of Burnaby were both charged with two counts of trafficking methamphetamine and one count each of possession for the purposes of trafficking and possession of property obtained by crime. RCMP have said more charges are anticipated. The two accused are also facing further charges in Winnipeg. The Winnipeg Police Service was called to an Airbnb on Stradbrook Avenue on July 6 after the owner of the property found some concerning items. A search of the Airbnb turned up a firearm and a large quantity of methamphetamine as well as additional drugs. RCMP alleged the two men were renting the, Air the Airbnb but were unable to return due to being in police custody. The pair have each been charged with multiple firearm possession and drug possession charges as a result, and none of the charges against the men have yet to be proven. In court, both men remain in custody. So these see, these these fellows seem like they got a lot going on, but the idea of like the way prisons are built and designed and have been since mm -hmm. the beginning of time is the idea of like a wall that surrounds a space. To prevent people from getting out or coming in, but yeah. but they've never. I don't think they account for things being able to fly. <laughs> and a drone is like. Well, yeah, the the designs of prisons have have relatively stayed the same for the most part. Oh well, it's all like it's the same thing that was you mm -hmm. know would have been built five hundred years ago or even longer before that with a castle or whatever. It's like the same kind of idea. It's just keep the people from being able to get out, but. A drone just puts such a a spin on that. And drones, they're not that expensive. They're small. They travel a long distance. You can get the lights and stuff off them so that they're not that loud and don't you know aren't seen uh, clearly in the sky. 
in most prisons, I would imagine, have like a large outdoor area where the prisoners get a certain amount of time, you know, each day to go out and walk around and do athletic things like play basketball mm-hmm. or whatnot. So if you wanted to get drugs in a prison, that that's like it's a pretty smart way to do it i bet you that i bet you that's how a good majority that would be much less risky than putting drugs on you and going into a prison and like actually passing them to an inmate yeah yeah um i i find this like how how would they how would you not get caught doing this i'm thinking how would you get caught doing this on the opposite i see this as like just an easy way to get caught doing this. Thing. Well, I think these guys, for one, they drove up to the prison. That's not necessary. And that was no. it. And like, let's, if they had the drone in a backpack and they just, you know, parked a kilometer away and walked, I guess it's all about, it depends on how much money they're getting for doing this, but they could park a kilometer away and just walk up with it in their backpack, fly the thing over without any lights on the drone and drop it wherever they drop it walk back to their truck they'd never be seen even the the risk would be their package getting taken by the guards and stuff but i'm assuming people who do like you know trafficking methamphetamines and fentanyl and whatever them losing a package here and there is probably not that big of a deal i'm shocked that they get caught i'm sure they get away with this all the time well they must get away with it enough to you know be doing it this often but i don't know i just i just imagine that that if you do this often enough, the guards are going to see it. They're going to, you know, like, I don't know. And remember as well, they did, this is at 3.20 a.m., which depending on your lifestyle is either really late at night or really so early. So they're morning. dropping the package down into the prison yard. Probably. like, like I'm Early, just, early morning when it's still dark out. Yeah, I'm just guessing, like, maybe there's, you know, the prison yard, maybe had, there's, like, a bush or there's, you know, whatever. How accurately can you drop something from a drone? Super accurately. Because you can, the drone can, you can, it'll have a high-def camera. You could bring it right low to the ground. Well, you bring the drone down, but the closer the drone gets to the prison, the, the more likely it is to be seen. Because, I mean... But why would they be looking out in the yard at 3.20 in the morning? Well, don't they have guards that are checking, you know, that, that their job is to, you know, be kind of keeping an eye on the perimeter of the of the uh-huh. prison? Or maybe I'm getting too much of that from movies where, yeah. you know, they have the spotlight going at all times. <laughs> the spotlight catches the <laughs> yeah. drone. Then all the G.I. Yeah. Joes run out of the prison <laughs> shooting at it. But it's, um, I, I think it's like, keep in mind a, how small a drone is. It's this tiny little thing with mm-hmm. a, you know, just carrying a small brick of drugs or whatever. Like, uh, they make a good amount of noise, but they're not crazy loud. If you don't have lights on them or whatever, like, it, I don't know. I think, I, I bet you it happens way more often than you think. Uh, and again, I think it would be much less risky than mm-hmm. putting it on your person and going in there to see somebody and passing it to them. Oh, yes, uh, definitely less risky than that. But, you know, I think people should stick old school with this and just come in with the, you know, come in with the, the, the baked, the, the the cake, you know. And the, the yeah, the cake has the cake. like a file yeah, in the yeah, bottom. <laughs> yeah. that, that's how I think they should always stick to that. Yeah, anything should be that smuggled in or out of Canadian prison should mm-hmm. be done in like a Nanaimo bar. Calling back to last week's uh, episode. Calling back to last week, yeah, yeah. I don't know why it struck me as as I'm surprised that 
they get away with doing that as much as they do because they must get away with it often enough that it's a go-to way to do it mm-hmm. but where they drop it like i don't know it just seems to me that somebody else would like where can they drop it in the prison yard that someone else might not come across it before they do i can only imagine if there's like a bush or maybe there's a little building that they keep all the basketballs in and you can sit it on the roof and someone reaches up and grabs it you know something but again a drone would have a good camera so they could even send the drone over and look around but then the they're also what they would be communicating with an inmate and the inmate would work with them to be like yeah there's this bush you know drop it in the bush like it's all planned out i think this bush i planted the bush (laughs) i've been nursing it and growing it just for this nobody's asked any questions about why i put a bush in the middle of the yard (laughs) let's move on to we have two lighter stories for the most part to wrap this up i call this the wtf duo wtf deer wtf cats because they're two weird stories uh we want to start with deer or cats uh let's start with the deer and end with this bizarre cat one okay the cat one is truly bizarre the deer Mm -hmm. one is just a true what the heck is going on here yeah rcmp in northern bc arrest a car's occupants after finding a baby deer in the back seat RCMP say they arrested the occupants of a vehicle in Fort St. John in northern BC after discovering a baby deer in the back seat of the car. In a written statement, the Mounties say they pulled over a vehicle during a routine traffic stop in the early morning hours of June 30th and found a month-old fawn in the back seat. I'm just going to stop for a sec. Is a fawn, is that a female or male deer, or does fawn just mean baby deer, or do you know? I thought doe was a female deer. Okay, maybe based fawn. off of the song, a doe, doe a deer, a female deer. Okay, so fawn must be a baby male deer. Uh, um, maybe. Police said after arresting the occupants of the car for possessing wildlife, they searched it and found drugs, obviously, but did not specify what kind or in what amount. Under provincial law, it is an offense to possess a wild animal without a license or a permit granted by the province's chief veterinarian. The laws apply to both dead and alive animals. Two things there. I didn't know a province would have a chief veterinarian. That's kind of cool. Um, and mm-hmm. the, um, Anyway, fawning season. I, was, um, I think this is going to explain why it's important not to do this. Fawning season is usually from May until early July when the fawns become more independent of their mothers. The BC SPA, SPCA say that if you spot a fawn you believe is orphaned, it's best to just leave the the animal alone as it's normal for a doe to leave her offspring for an extended period to search for food. But if it's injured or you can see that its parent is dead, it recommends calling the conservation officer service, which can pick up the baby deer and transfer it to wildlife to a wildlife rehabilitational center. And I'm, as I'm reading, I'm realizing that a fawn isn't a boy or a girl. It just means a baby it's just deer. a baby deer. In reading between the lines in this article, it seems like maybe they're they're like I'm trying to one I'm trying to guess what these people with drugs in their car and a deer and baby deer in their car were doing. But based on that middle section of the article about if you find a deer you think is orphaned, I wonder if that's what happened. They found this like a lone baby deer and they're like, We're gonna bring it somewhere and nurse it back to health. Yeah, maybe. 
Um, again, I wish the, the article had kind of reached out to these individuals just to get ask them a few questions to get into their mindset at the time of did they just come across a deer and they were like, oh my God, and you know, they just took it in for no reason <laughs> or were they thinking they were helping the deer, you know, I mean, you have to be careful with wild animals. They are wild. Yeah, they are certainly wild. And a deer, although a baby deer, I think is probably pretty harmless, but it's... Um, it regular can... deer are strong and, you know, can be aggressive from what I understand. Yeah, well, I have, uh, I think I've told you about this, but my neighborhood, we have wild deer like crazy. It's not uncommon for me to look out my window and just have like six deer on my front yard eating my tulips mm-hmm. um or in my backyard or walking in my carport like it's uh it can be kind of wild uh i i've gotten pretty close to adult ones but they do scare me a bit just i don't know what it would do to me even if even if a deer just ran full speed and just crashed into me like it would be so violent oh yeah i know that would that would be rough um <laughs> but you know what that. like a baby deer is um is so sweet like i could I would love to have one as a pet, but I, I get that there are reasons why people can't just like take a wild animal in their house and raise it. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that. But but it would be awesome, right? Well, I mean, you know, some animals are so cute that you just think, I you know, wild or not, that you can just kind of go up to them and interact with them. Mm-hmm. But again, like even the cutest animals out in the wild are still wild and Mm. don't play by your rules so Mm. um you know they don't have a a rack of disney dvds that have inspired their love for humans yeah (laughs) yes don't put a deer in your car yeah yeah haul the deer into your car the deer is probably terrified and yeah i don't know just just you know if you, if you see an animal and, and, and it's hurt or whatever, there's people you can call for that. You're not the people. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I'm trying to think of a good transition. Here's one. is uh, There are laws to prevent you from taking wild deer into your car and into your home. Uh, probably for good reason. But do we need more laws like that? And are there other animals that should be... Uh, regulated and controlled by our government namely cats mm-hmm. uh, some people in toronto think that they should be in fact toronto is eyeing a new plan to ban cats from going outdoors unless they're on a leash sounds crazy right no well, I think it kind of does. Let me tell you a little bit about what's I going mean, on. I mean, I think it's crazy that they're going to try and do this. but With everything else that's going on in this world mm-hmm. right now, this mm-hmm. is it. If you love your cat, keep Fluffy indoors. These were environmentalist and former Scarborough City Councillor Glenn de Barrowmaker's words to Toronto City Council Wednesday as a city committee discussed a plan that could prohibit cat owners from allowing their felines to roam freely outdoors. The motion, moved by Councillor for Ward 17, Don Valley North, Shelley Carroll, is rooted in the belief that outdoor cats can be a danger to the local ecosystems, hunting bird and rodent populations, and are themselves at risk of being hit by vehicles or attacked by wildlife while roaming. 
Currently, city staff are proposing bylaws be changed to prohibit pet owners from allowing their pets to roam at large in the city, with the exception of cats and domesticated pigeons. Carol wants to scrub cats from the proposed change. Oh, sorry, I, I missed miss that. So currently, city staff are proposing the bylaws be changed to pro I don't remember. To prohibit that's word it weird so i guess right now pets can't roam wildly unless it's a cat or a pigeon but mm -hmm. they want to scrub cats from the proposed change while still permitting pigeons to remain at large yes yeah uh, under the proposed bylaw um cats would still be allowed outdoors but they would need to be leashed mm -hmm. members of city council members of council on the city's economic and community development committee vote uh committee voted in favor of the motion by a show of hands. I'm moving this motion today because I truly believe people don't want free roaming cats, Carol said. It's a horrendously it's her, her, it is horrendously traumatic when you find a cat that has been met with misfortune. However, the bylaw change hasn't received final approval. It was not included in Wednesday's staff report featuring potential rule changes to the to the chapter of the city's municipal code dealing with animals, it would still need the majority support of council before it could go into effect. Council is scheduled to debate the issue in two weeks. I, I get, I get it. You know, I get what they're saying. Um, like my cat's an indoor cat anyway, so it, it wouldn't. You know, if that law ever came to my town, it wouldn't change my life. Um, but you know. I think that no, I don't know how they how they would do it. Someone in Toronto in a big city like that, even in the outskirts of Toronto, like I, I just feel like it just letting your cat go wild in the neighborhood. It's not a great idea anyway, for the reasons mentioned in that article is, you know, hit mm -hmm. by a car, killing the birds and all this stuff. That's a problem. But it's I don't know. I, the, the idea that at this time in the world, government would uh, even a, a municipality or whatever would tackle this as an issue mm. there's so much going on that it's uh it's just kind of like let's just wait and deal with this later let's wait until the next pandemic and then deal with it mm. Mm. but i do yeah i don't cats. know it's it's and oh. cats on leashes don't do as well as dogs on i mean they have cat leashes um i don't have one because again i i don't want to bring my cat outside because the more comfortable he is with the outside, the more he's going to want to go outside. Right now, he's still fearful of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want him going out because there's too many. I'm worried about getting him lost. There's foxes and raccoons and all these different things in my neighborhood that he could succumb to. I don't I don't want that to happen. Yeah. Even in, it, like in Toronto, there, there's a ton of raccoons and they're badass. Uh, same with even their squirrels. Oh, the raccoons in my neighborhood are giant. Yeah, even I find in Toronto, one thing I notice is when you see um, they have a different like breed or whatever of squirrels and their squirrels are a lot bigger and they're kind of nasty. Even one of their squirrels, I think. Could oh, do the Ontario damage. squirrels are massive. Yeah. And I think they could do some pretty good damage to a cat, mm. I would think. Yeah, there's just diseases out there for cats to catch and uh, ticks and, you know, all the different things that uh, the dangers. Your cat will live a longer life if you keep it indoors. Um. Well, we'll see what happens with this. I think there's a, uh, I think uh, just the idea, I think right now is just not the time for them to further 
regulate cats. Uh, but mm-hmm. and it's weird that the that pigeons are left off of that. I like was a, wondering about that because do a lot of people have domesticated pigeons? I know I'm, Mike Tyson does. Yeah, that, like I couldn't name one other person. No, <laughs> I, he Tyson. was the only person who I thought did. You yeah. know, I'd I, I'd be curious to see or know some kind of statistic about uh, about how many people keep pigeons as pets. Well, enough to um, beyond the books. <laughs> yeah, enough to enough to like advocate for their exclusion from that bylaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mentioned. It's like, you know, pigeons and cats are the only ones that are allowed to roam free outdoors, but now it'll just be pigeons. <laughs> um, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, interesting, mm-hmm. though. But we'll start wrapping this up. Before we do, though, Aaron, anything on your mind? that you, or anything, anything you need to get off your chest? Off my chest? Mm-hmm. No. No, I'm not angry at anyone, if that's what you're suggesting. Okay, no, I'm glad you're not. Anything you're looking forward to from between now and when we next record about a week from now? I'm looking forward to seeing how weird Canada can get in this next week. Really give us our plate full next week. We want it. Aaron, until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh... Check Hold that on site. Tight. It's gonna be a wild ride. I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I for our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. A big thanks to Aaron for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big thanks to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, for supplying the intro and outro voiceovers. But most importantly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed keep the show alive, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and I maintain a full back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, help keep Canada weird at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers, Lisa, Nathan, Polly, and Michelle. Thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, if you want to let us know about something going on in your town, or if you want to contribute a voice memo for Aaron and I to respond to in a future episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.